I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is our Tour of Flanders 2021 preview, both the men and women's edition. We'll do the men's race first. Benji says conditions in Flanders are quite warm. What he means by that, I don't know. Tell me exactly in centigrade, Benji. Oh boy, I think that it's roughly like seventeen to twenty degrees <laughs> at the moment. While um <laughs> while if we <laughs> are you laughing, Mr. Australia? <laughs> uh, I think that um the biggest worry is that this is not gonna stay the same until like Sunday and also next week because towards Sunday we're gonna have uh uh lower degrees. I don't know okay. how much, haven't checked precisely, but I know that in the middle of next week we're gonna have like two degrees. So it's going to be somewhere between 2 degrees and 20, people. Come right. on. Very, very precise weather uh, the material way, here on uh, LR Podcast. If it's, below co- if it's below 20, it's cold. So it's going to be cold. Uh, Dwyer's Duel was it's apparently better. pretty warm yesterday. But before we get into the preview proper, I want to give a big shout-out to our show partner, LaCole. They have their title-sponsored team, Drops LaCole, competing in the Tour of Flanders on Sunday, which is pretty exciting for them. They got we'll get into their team when we get into it. We'll give a big shout out to their multinational team, Drops the Coal, supported by Tempur. Uh, but yeah, I can't wait to see them in their kits, which will stand out in that race. People tried to tell me they had purple in it too, but um I don't know. I'm prepared to debate that. Let's get into the favourites first for the men's tour of Flanders. Well, for not uh We've seen we're seeing some lying, we're seeing some fake odds, and you're being taken for a ride. If you use corporate bookmakers, this is not a sponsored, but corporate bookmakers' odds are not reflective of the actual market, the efficient market. If there's enough liquidity, which there is, there's over 20k AUD uh, matched on Betfair, so it's reasonably liquid. Matthew van der Poel is still the favourite. He's been the favourite for Flanders since markets opened he's at four dollars van art second in the betting at four dollars fifty just behind so van der Poel being given a 25 percent chance of winning while van art about a 22 percent chance of winning ala philippe's drifted a little bit he's out to about 13 four teams so he's given a seven to eight percent chance of winning and then Longer shots, maybe fourth favourite is Askren after a strong E3 performance. He's got a 5% chance of winning at 20s. And then all the quick steppers are sort of between 20 and 40. Lampard, Stibar, Seneschal are all in that sort of range, about 30s. Ballerini's gone a bit longer after Hen Favelham and Duas Duel, if you competed there. Sagan's actually 30 to 1, which is actually shorter than I expected. So don't be tricked by Walfenard going into looking like favoritism on the corporate bookies after MVDP having an issue at Dwarves to War or just not not winning for once. Are you surprised by those odds, Benji? Do you think they're roughly in line with your expectations? I didn't expect Dwarves of London to have such an influence on Vanderpool's odds because I recall looking at them 
not even a few days just before Dwarves of London, and it was very different. We had Van der Poulin's all-out favorite at 13-5 or something, and then we had Wout van Aert at 22-5 or something. So, yeah, looks like it really changed over that course, and I think Alaphilippe Sals also tanked a bit after Dwarves of London. So I'm curious because, yeah, I feel like outside of Dwarves of London, we've had no real weakness outside of positioning for Van der Poel. And when it comes to Van Aert, the only weakness I saw was, I think, more worrying than Van der Poel's weakness. And that was an E3 where he did that attack and then was done. And I feel like we haven't seen that in a competition or range that really matters from Van der Poel. Not at least in this part of a range or a range that he eventually lost. We saw a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a moment at the end of that heroic stage at Tireno, but I don't think that really showed weakness that moment. So that was a wonderful stage. So yeah, a bit of a surprise, but all in all, I think that the riders that are, that are in that order are relatively close to the order I would have as well. Don't know what that fractional shit is that you quoted at me, but yeah, I think the odds are roughly correct. Maybe Alaphilippe a little bit long in my view. I think him getting going to the motorbike last year, I think he would have been competitive in that finish. The classics races we have had up to date, Omloop Kerner, I'm going to lump Strada in there. I think it's relevant particularly because our main contenders were at that race. Milano San Remo, Ken Favelhem, E3, Dwarz Duel of Landrum, and let me know if I've missed any Benji. They're the races we've had um, so far. Wild Van Aert and MVDP looking good. Let's have a look at their teams quickly. Alps and Phoenix first with last year's winner. Van der Poel obviously beat Wild Van Aert in their head-to-head sprint just narrowly. Van der Poel, Dries de Bont, Belgian national champ. Sylvain Dillier, he's got a podium at Roubaix. Behind again, Jonas Ricard, Peter Varkoj, Yanni Vermeer and Otto Vergeide. Pretty good team. It's the team we'd expect them to bring. Do you think MVP Benji has been doing a better job of allowing his teammates to close gaps for him earlier in the race than he has in previous years? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think that we've seen the likes of Adris de Bond be active in races, but I can't tell you if it influenced uh, too much in this season so far. I think that the real moment that we saw either Alpacin's team or Yumbo's team was when they were in trouble. And I think we haven't seen Vanderpool in trouble due to a bike problem or something like that this year too much, while we have seen Van Aert do that in E3. And I think that's when those teams come in. But looking at Alpacin's team, I actually think that it's it's kind of a uh, average in the sense that Johnny Vermeers is definitely a very good rider to help him out. I think there is yep. the bond as well. Last year, yep. there is the bond ended up dropping from the group very, very early on. And then he came back and was suddenly at the front of the group again, put some tempo in before they started one of the uh, more important climbs. And then eventually he uh, dropped again after that effort with not too much having done. And that was a bit surprising because it was just after the uh, Belgian champs that he, uh, that he won. So we expected a bit more. Sylvain Delier, I haven't seen too much of him recently. I think that he crashed as well. I can't remember if that was this year, though, so I can't tell you. Um, Jonas Ricard, good rider. I don't expect him to be in the last 30, but I do expect him to be there once they're moving towards the more important climbs to perhaps keep Vanderpool at the front, because that's something he needs to work on. We've mentioned a few times. 
met de Vakoc en al te vergaard. Ik denk Vakoc had dat injury a few years ago. I see him more as a hill rider instead of a cobble hill rider. Brabant Sapel is something he won before, so yeah, I guess that kind of counts as what cracked. I'm saying right now. Yeah. And then eventually you've got Otto Vergaarde, and I think that, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's the kind of rider I'd see in a breakaway early on, but I don't think that fits the strategy of Alpesen here. Perhaps it does. I don't know. Yeah. But regarding that team, do you feel like uh, it's strong enough to help out Van der Poel, or do you think that Van der Poel has become so much of a one-man army that we just don't care what team he's in? We're dangering. We're feeling endangered by him either way. I'm not sure outside of mechanicals, he really needs a very strong team. Like having a strong team is helpful if you can have one. But his issues are normally when he attacks obscenely early and then does way too much work, like in Yorkshire. And having a strong team or not doesn't really change that. So, and then in Dwar's Dour, did would having a stronger team have changed anything not really either he's either on or he's not and he's either blowing himself up or, or he's winning uh that's the only way he can he he wins is in spectacular fashion so reminder last year it was actually Alphalipe attacking on the steam big threes and then mvdp followed him pretty quickly they formed a group of two and then wow fun up bridged across to them with like 40k's to go or something as they led into the timeberg i'm not sure if wow fun up was behind because of the mechanical or crash or something can't mem- remember but mvdp was in fairly decent position last year he was uh in provence pale he just needs to mark alphalipe alphalipe is going to use the climbs and we haven't seen the course i should have mentioned at the top flanders classics doesn't publish Publishize, publishize, publish the course in advance because they don't want people spectating in person because of COVID. So we're just guessing. We haven't seen it, but out of Quadmont, Paderberg combo, you'd have to think we'll be in it. And, you know, an, an assortment of cobble climbs will be in the Tour of Flanders. It's not exactly a rocket science to guess that. I think Alaphilippe will be using those climbs to attack that's what was effective last year and he would have had a podium result at a minimum last year but for that unfortunate accident so going on to that quick step teammate team with Alaphilippe Benji absolutely stacked stacked with Stieber Lampard Askren Alaphilippe <laughs> Tim de Klerk Seneschal Stieber Therese Davenens what do you think of that team Benji definitely the strongest all-round team Yes, for certain, and it's really going to define the race the way they write the race, because they've done it in multiple ways so far. In Omelope at Niesblad, they had an early attack by Alaphilippe opening up the race on not actually the uh, hardest of hills, so if he's got a hill, he can ride away from people. That race did not include the likes of uh, Van der Poel and Van Aert, so we don't know how Alaphilippe stacks up in the cobble races this year against the other two. We've seen them in Tireno fight both, and they've all three been very close to each other, so can't exactly tell you too much. But um, regarding this race, I think that Quickstep will define when the race opens, because at E3, they did it a totally different way than in Omlo. Because there they took the entire team and they smashed it on the Tyenberg, I think, as uh, one of the earlier climbs with 80k to go, and they exploded the race, and from that point onwards, they had the upper hand with the amount of riders that were in the front groups for their team. And if they can do that, that's an ideal way of forcing Van der Poel and Van Aert having to play it in a more isolated way. And it's hard for the teams of both Van Aert and Van der Poel 
to try and survive such a force of attack on an early hill by quick step. And I think the Koenig is really the key to opening up the race early. And I think that they side worked on E3. And I think they're going to try and do it here as well. We've got plenty of big terrain on this race. I don't think they want to wait until the last hills and then see Van der Poel Strade what away with his biblical power and fly to victory. Uh, I don't think that's something they want. Uh, although they do have Alaphilippe to try and counter that. But all in all, I think, um, yeah, the Koenig is the key. What's your take? Yeah, it's a strong team. I'd be expecting them to attack with Askren early, trying to make Jumbo, Visma and Alperson chase. Uh, Stieber, Seneschal, I mean, three Stevenens in a break? Probably not. They'll probably want him to be marking with Alaphilippe and just helping him out if he has a mechanical or anything like that. I mean, they've got so many attacking options, Stibar, Lampard, they've got the clerk to bring everything back together and pace at the front. I think Askren, if he brings that uh, E3 form, which was a hard race, is key for them because I don't see the other teams working with Alpsen and Jumbo, Visma, Benji. I don't see Azure's uh, Citroen working with them, nor should they. Like They shouldn't because let's get into those teams and then we'll imagine... A scenario where, yeah, De Koenig have yeah. sent Lampard or Askren. Jumbo Visma, second place last year, winner of Ken Favelhem, dominant performance from them and him, Wout van Aert, lining up with Eduardo Affini, David Decker getting the call up, Benji. Whew. Pascal Enkorn, Timo Poulsen, Nathan van Hooydonk, and Martin Leinans. And um, it's a better team, I think, than last year. Rusen van Hooydonk, Enkorn, it's pretty good. I mean, they could have two riders with Wout van Aert in a G2 with a weakish G1 breakaway of three or five riders. I think that's possible in the last 40Ks. I think the other teams are kind of dependent on what situation they are forced in. They can't dictate the race, so they got to do it in a different way. And for a team like Ajazer with Nasten van Avermaet, I think that it's key that one of them is always in a situation that is beneficial to them. And that's, I think, an issue for them because before they came together in this team, they were always on the opposite side of a split. And that caused them not to be able to compete for victories on many occasions. Svanavamad had it at BMC after the year that he won everything, basically. Oliver Nassen had that the last two years where he always kind of missed the split and that's not necessarily always the rider's fault, but it, it sometimes is. And I think they need to figure out a way to try and counter that on this one. I don't think their team is not bad. It's on the Wolf and so forth. Definitely decent on the Cobbles and such. But I also don't think it's strong enough, despite us expecting that it would be a bit stronger at the start of the year. Um, I don't think it's strong enough to dictate the race or, or kind of force themselves into a situation. Do you think that they can make the race for themselves? I think they can do things which will be important to give them a chance to win, which will be, mm-hmm. we saw a Ken Favelham, which is, what we saw was, if you have one fun out with a teammate there and you don't have teammates, you're fucked. Uh, unless Van der Poel is there or yeah. a lot of people want to attack. <laughs> like, Yama Visma shut that race down. So I think as does Citroen, regardless of the race situation ahead of them, I think 
being aggressive on the climbs with Van Avermaet, which he was at Dwarves, forcing on the climbs, is important to be dropping Van Hoydonk, dropping Rosen and Korn to isolate Van Aert. Regardless if you're G1, G2, G3, you have to be doing that. We saw that Trentin tried that on the last ascent of the climb in Ghent, which I forget, and he didn't quite drop Nathan Van Hoydonk. No one else helped him and they all blocked and Van Hoydonk got on the rest of history. E3, Wout van Aert was in the lead group, then had a mechanical, then Jumbo had to burn their riders chasing. So far this season, yeah. he's come, he's won a stage at Torreno and then come in the top three in four stages, second in GC, fourth at Strade, third at MSR, 11th at E3 with that puncture, which I think really defined the race and won Gen him. So, <laughs> like, it's pretty. He's pretty good at bicycle riding. Well, fun art. Um, <laughs> do you think Jumbo Visma Benji? Let's imagine a race situation. Now we've spoken about probably four of the top teams. A race situation with Alaphilippe, Wafanat, and Van der Poel again. Imagine they go clear in the last ten k's of Flanders or twenty, thirty k's. Do you think Jumbo Visma DS tell Wafanat to ride it the same as last year? I would. Um, you know why? Because I would do the majority of the race in a very similar way. I think last year I had a few very, very tiny moments that defined the race for Art for that. Being he crashed in the first hundred kilometers, so I wouldn't try and do that ah, again. True. Yeah. Next to that, when Alaphilippe rode away this, the second or third time, Vanderpool was the first to bridge that and be with Alaphilippe. The reason that Van Art couldn't counter that was because they were going over that rail track that Bose and Hagen got over just before the peloton. And they got over that, and we saw Von Aert go off his bike, put his chain back on, and he was on a gap at the end of the group instead of the position where Philippe was attacking from at the front. So he had to get past everybody and had to solo bridge towards the two-man group that was getting away. So that's also not even a tiny moment. He was basically having to do that alone to try and counter those two, which is... A pretty big move to have to do if you want to try and win the race afterwards. Eventually, the sprint came, and we all know how the sprint went. Vanderpool stayed at the front, and he slowed the tempo. He kept on slowing the tempo, and what this does is, the further they can slow it, and the more to the line you are, the more it benefits Vanderpool because he's got more acceleration, the initial kick than Vanard has. Fanad might have a very strong sprint if it's a very long sprint. And I think if it's really not coming down to acceleration, Fanad has a better sprint. But if it's a short sprint and from low tempo, then Vanderpool is so much better and more in a favorite spot than Fanad. And we saw that last year was really close in the end, finished photo. But that sprint, the way Vanderpool led that into a short and slow start sprint, defined. I think that Van der Poel would win that. And if we come in a similar situation, I don't know what I would say to Van Aert. I'm not sure if being at the front is going to benefit him because he needs to react to an acceleration, but that way he could launch it or he could even launch it earlier. I think he oh, doesn't just need to wait that Yeah, I think that's uh, the advice that you give Van Aert. Yeah. I think that's uh, overall my thoughts on it. Next to that, he didn't really write too badly last year, did he? <laughs> no. And I think, Benji, I agree. I don't think they need to do anything differently. I don't think they particularly need to be aggressive because Van Aert's probably going to be the favourite in any bunch sprint that 
could happen coming in for the win in this race, the bigger, almost the better for him. Uh, the higher the speed, the better. We saw he beat Ewan in a flat sprint in Torreno stage one with a 250-meter sprint. He can sprint very quick for very long. Van der Poel, as you said, got that acceleration. Alaphilippe more a surprise guy, needs a corner or something like we saw in Brabant's Pale where he mugged Van der Poel and boxed him in by sprinting early. So, yeah, Yumbo, I'd ride kind of passive, make sure Walfenart's there at the front on all the important climbs to mark Alaphilippe and Van der Poel when inevitably Alaphilippe launches, but I wouldn't be afraid of shutting things down and riding passive. If you're Walfenart, Benji, I'd almost tell him to sit on those two <laughs> if they were going into the finish. I wouldn't pull that hard. Yeah. What difference does it make? To I guess it does if if uh, Betiol and Kung because then you'd have to close the tax. So yeah, that's that's a stupid comment I guess. Bora Hansgrohe, Sagan, Odnar, Burkhardt, Ospollett, Perstelberger, Sagan, Uri. Ospollett looked okay. Dwarves do attacking but not really achieving anything. You think they're riding for Sagan, not Pollett? Who knows? It's Sagan hasn't shown enough for me to expect him to be a no. an extreme measure here at at this range. I think that the thing I'm more worried about is that Bullet doesn't seem to be on a level where I feel like he's going to compete for the victory here. I think he's gonna be in that second group that ends up being won in a sprint by Kristoff again. Yep. So um I think that's something that I, I don't expect Bora to dictate the race here or dictate too much in the race in any way. I um I also don't really know what the lack of preparation races due to that COVID stuff that they had in the team recently. I think yeah. they didn't get to ride Ken him or something. Does that influence their preparation? I don't know that. I don't True. know what the consequences are of not riding two races, you know? Um yeah. I don't know. I don't see uh Aura being the the biggest of teams. But I think Quebecas a team I I want to try and talk about because we've seen a lot of a tactics held by them mainly by companards that are sometimes not the most race iq moves uh, oh. i don't want to like so i thought he was I, good I at dwarves i thought he i thought he did good stuff there i think previous races i agree i think at dwarves i actually don't necessarily agree i think that he was with van Baal in that group for a, for a, a margin of time and they had nizolo in the second group but that group was not having any cooperation to come back at all. And Campanas decided not to work with Van Baal in that firm group. And that's why Van Baal was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to solo attack away then because, yeah, if nobody wants to work with me, then I have to do it alone anyway. So I think it did really influence the race, the manner that Campanas wrote the front group in. And mm-hmm. perhaps he was thinking, yeah, I need Zolo, got to watch out. But I um, I don't know. I, I think that the attacks that he did, are often in a situation where it doesn't look like it's intelligent, but then you think about previous Tour of Flanders races and you've got situations where an Osgren and a Peterson attack early and they keep on riding because in the bag they're not necessarily making the best tempo, which means that a Campenarts could be in the same situation as an Osgren, a Peterson, a Van Barle in previous Tour of Flanders races where he's off early and while the group behind is mingling about, he's just racking the kilometers in and moving slowly but surely towards uh, the end of the race on which he's likely taken back on all the last cobble sections. But then he can get a, a relative top 10 out of this. But 
I think that he needs to find that exact attack, the, the, the exact spot, and perhaps the inside in the race to know this is the moment where this needs to happen. A moment like after a, uh, a Paterberg or something like that, one of the earlier ones where the tempo in the group kind of dies out and he's still attached to that group. Just try and ride away if it's possible remotely. I'm trying to say it like I'm him, but that's really not the case. If it's possible to use the chaos of a group that is leading to his advantage to ride away there, then it's more possible to get away than at a random moment beforehand, just before a climb where there's still a lot of teammates of other people that are going to try and take you back on the climb or just after whatever. So I don't know. It needs to be at an exact moment to be effective, I think. Dimitri Klaas, top 10, might have even come like sixth last year at 32 years old at Tour of Flanders. Really impressive from him. He's in Quebec and now he's left. I mean, he was the signing we didn't understand why Kofidis let him go, Benji. Imagine if they had Dimitri Klaas and Christophe Laporte yeah. going on to Kofidis. Christophe Laporte has had himself... <laughs> An early season. They've also got Jempi Drucker, Kenneth Van Bilsen, Yellowalais. I just want to read out uh, Laporte's early season. Bessege, first, fifth, second on a stage and won the points. Omloop, 13th. Paranese, second, second, third in the points, as well as a top 10 in the ITT, top 10 in the first stage. MSR, 22nd. Doisdor, second. He's been knocking on the door. Christophe Laporte, and um, do you think he's got a chance of top 10 Benji's, or is it going to be a bit too hard compared to Duas Duel? I think it's going to be more difficult, but it's definitely not impossible for him to do it. Um, do I see him in a top 10? Or are they going to uh, ride for Yellow Malaz? I worse than Christophe right now. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not really for Yellow Wallace's possibility to stay with the best of the rest, so yeah, you need to go early I don't think so. beforehand. I think Laporte is actually the rider that yeah. should be more trying to try and follow. And I would see him on a relative level as Kristoff on these on these races right now, because Kristoff is not shown to be at the top level this year yet, but he always does that, and then suddenly he wins suddenly. Um, but since we know that Kristoff is going to win the sprint in the second group, then I wouldn't be surprised if Laporte is in that group. But yeah. It would also be a great performance for him if he is there. I think Does that makes sense. I think a lot of those riders you've hit at Benji, Christophe Laporte, Cold Brelli, maybe Nizzolo, etc. A lot of the guys and sort of guys we saw front group and Vavelham, I'd be expecting them to be in if say the favourites go up the road and then mm-hmm. the chase behind eventually gives up when the last 10Ks, G2, G3, G4 kind of start to merge together, yeah. gets bigger. That's where you can have riders like Clays or Laporte snagging top 10s, whereas that doesn't suit riders like Betiol who need to be getting in front group and then attacking from it. Education first, they've got a previous winner of the Tour of Flanders. He's still only got two pro wins, Benji. Such a odd Palmares, Alberto Bediol, 27 yep. years old. Uh, what sort of race do EF need to ride? Bissiger in the break, Falgrens looked okay. Do they just try and follow with Bettiol? I don't think so, Benji. I think they should try and do what Van Baal did in Flanders last year and Dwarz Dur and jump ahead before the favourites jump to then be caught and then maybe attack them later. 
Yeah, the issue is that Betiel has not really the uh, history of being too consistent over a large period of time. I think the year that he won RVV, he was also good at E3 Harlbeke. <laughs> and the oddity or the specialty of that RVV was the fact that, first of all, Vanderpool had fell, had fallen. That's better English. And also the fact that the group ahead of that was not necessarily riding at an extreme tempo into the climbing sections. And we didn't really have somebody in that group that I was like, oh, that guy's the favorite. I, I was really unsure what was going to happen because Vanderpool was my favorite and he was off the bag because of the crash and he had to come back. So Etiol was a bit of a surprise winner for everybody, I think, that year. Um, and the situation led to a point where he had Van Marke to do a lot of work for him. And they came into a situation where he was still fresh enough at the end to try and launch something. But we haven't seen that all year. I think we've seen a decent no. time trial at Bessege. But outside of that, I think he dropped pretty early on some of the couple classes yeah. so far. So I'm kind of worried that it might not be for Betty all this year. But I also thought it wasn't last time he won. So, yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh, I think the people that are the favorites here are too strong to form a race situation in which Badiol can come out on top. Yep, particularly with Alaphilippe, because if he's in there, Alaphilippe, and no other quick steppers, then you don't have the Ken Fablehem 2020 situation where Seneschal and co are attacking. It's more of a stable race situation, although Alaphilippe, I think, would have attacked them last year. Trek Segafredo, they've had a unfortunate run into Tour of Flanders with COVID sidelining some of their mm-hmm. all of them for one race and then Pedersen I think for Dwar's Dour. I don't know how that will affect him. His sprint is still so quick and I back his sprint. I think he's the only man that I'd almost say could beat Wavanart in a reduced bunch sprint. I just don't know how that will affect him having to DNF E3, DNS Ken Vavelhem just not ideal. Sturban's looking great. He was looking good at Dwar's door again. They got Kern to court. Quinn Simmons, I mean, he attacked way too early the other day. Edward turns. I think they won a similar race to last year, Benji. Just easy, easy ish, keeping them in front of the favourites, but yeah. then no attack. <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> if, a pretty if, important detail, if, dude. <laughs> if everyone could just not attack and let Mads go to the finish <laughs> and have the Aspers lead him out, that'd be ideal. Or, Benji, am I discounting Sturvin like everyone did in MSR? Do you have him follow if he can? And is that your second card to play and then attack late and have the favourites look at each other? Could you see that happening? Him joined by someone like Kung as well. I simply do not believe Mas Pedersen is good enough this year to achieve a uh, a chance or leadership even at Trek Segafredo for RVV. He uh, looks to be on the kind of form that is leading towards a Paris Urbay and it feels like he trained solely for Paris Urbay from what I can tell from some like Scandinavian articles I found. I think uh, all in all I believe that Mas Pedersen felt he wanted to win Roubaix and focused all out on that. And that gave him a bit of trouble when it comes to the hills. And we've seen that so far already. And I think it's going to be the same thing uh, on Sunday. I don't expect him to survive the hills. Although I'd be happy for him too. He's a nice guy. And Jasper Steven, I believe that he can get over the hills. 
I don't believe he can follow the big guns, so he needs to be in a situation where he goes a bit early, or where the big guns fail their attacks somehow, and it forms a more open race accordingly. And I think the situation that could lead to that is, is if the Koenig opened it extremely early like E3 again, you've got a situation where those favorites are having to do work for a longer period of time, so they don't have that explosive attack with 40, 50 kilometers to go. So that would kind of tone down the performance that, that one attack can give and allow outsiders to stay near those favorites and react accordingly. And that's how Osgrin basically won E3. So I think that, again, the Koenig is a really, really important part to how this race is going to play out. Whatever their tactic is, it is going to define the race for everybody else involved. And if they open it early, it could be a really, really open race towards the end. Yeah. Seb van Mark, I think he had a cold or something that affected his preparation on ISU. That was a shame because he was showing decent legs. I think Bike Exchange got Matthews. They were really good at Ken Fablehem, Benji. They had Mezgetz, Bauer, and Stannard in a group. They've got Mezgetz, Bauer, Grundahl, Janssen, Edmondson, Durbridge, Konishev here. I mean, people saying Grundahl, Janssen left for leadership in these races, well, not sure that's uh, been the case. So I think they're running for – who are they? Are they running for Matthews? I don't know. Do you have I any I think insight? so. He's been uh, – I feel like Matthews has been in – some of the very important splits so far yeah. this season. Fifth, uh, I think him. in E3 he was also in the in the group, right? He DNF'd. And, am I wrong? Did? Oh wow! What race I, was that then? I, I remember him being at the front of the race outside of Ken Wilhelm. MSR sixth. Was it? Oh my god! I'm so surprised that it's only MSR and and Ken Wilhelm. He's not expected good. more, to be honest. Yeah, he's he has. Um, but I think the climbing will be too much. It's just a bit harder than. It's a lot harder than Hen Babelhem, and I don't think he's climbing that well. And as Benji said, Quickstep need to make this hard. Ineos Grenadiers, Kwiatkowski, Basso, Owen Duhl, Pidcock, Luke Rowe, the winner of Dwarves uh, of London, Dylan Van Baal are here. What's the strategy, Benji? Throw Van Baal, Duhl up the road, and Luke Rowe maybe? Or have Rowe, nah, probably have Rowe protect Pidcock and then get Pidcock to just follow moves. I think Pitcock, the follower, and we have um, Bombardo, the anticipator. Those yeah. are their titles in the team for next week. And I think, uh, well, Sunday, not next week. I think that Bombardo has shown multiple times now over the years that he's got the ability of getting away at the right moment to yep. bring himself to a more competitive position towards the end of, of the race. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly the point I made, I think, uh, a few minutes ago. Just like if yep. they go on the Pauterberg again, after the Pauterberg gets split up, then he's got a situation where the race will fall back a bit and the groups will he can reform sense and then it. there's going to be... He can sense it coming back. Out. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I've got that feeling that those situations are where Von Barley can strive and get away again. And we wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's getting away with a bit of a solo again. and. Um, I don't think he'll win the race. I think that there's too many protagonists here to let that allow happen. But then again, for Dwarves of London, it was the same, but it's a totally different race, to be honest. Yeah. So I would not be comparing those two races too much. I um, I don't know. I think that's pretty clear. I think Pitcock is a follower, and the other one is the 
person that needs to make it happen beforehand. The problem for them, Benji, is if Pidcock's in a group, it's like with Instrada Bianca, if Pidcock's in a group with the big guns or uh, MSR is an even better example, what's his play? Because if they run out of climbs, I don't know. How does how does Thomas Pidcock beat Alaphilippe van der Poel and Wout If you've got the answer, mm. someone let me know. Um, Honestly, I I wouldn't look at it like that. I would like if Pidcock is in a situation where they're gone with four. I think I would dare to bet on a sprint because it wouldn't surprise me. We saw Pidcock sprint being good in the past. It's not going to be expected to win against the others, but an outsider like him in a sprint. I would dare to bet on the sprint more than an attack because the others are more likely to respond to any attack if they're with four. If it's more than four people, he can get away perhaps, but if it's four people, they're going to be looking at each other and waving every attack away. And then I don't really see it happening. I think it would be really cool though. A similar situation like in Paris Roubaix 2016, like four to five riders going for the last 10 kilometers into the, the flat finish in that straight road, attacking one by one, trying to drop each other. Oh, I see it in front of me. It's it's beautiful. The future. Yeah, I think you're probably right there, actually. Pidcock sprint is underrated. Maybe, yeah, maybe you should have backed it more at Milano San Remo and tried to get a draft and get on the podium. Another guy who I think is underrated, Team Total Direct Energy, Anthony Turgis. He's come fourth at Ronde van Vlaanderen as recently as last year, second in Kerner. Uh, this year, second in Dwarves Tour in 2019, he's 26. He looked really good at Ken Vabelhem, just missed a split, 12th in E3, 10th in MSR, 15th in Omloop. I mean, if this guy was on Quickstep, Benji, we'd be talking about him as a race winner candidate yep. alongside Stibar Seneschal. I think he's just as good, if not better than those guys individually, maybe a couple of them. and. I don't know. I think top five for Turgis. I wouldn't be surprised to see it again. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him win too. I think he's likely more going to be ending up in in the latter of the top ten than the top five because the top five is likely going to be the people that get away plus the people that win the sprint in the second group. So he'd need to get into a situation where that second group doesn't have teammates where he can still try and ride away in the final kilometers because we've seen him do that at Kent Wevelham trying to go for that attack. Uh, it didn't really work out in the end, but he did do pretty well there. And I think Turgi is indeed an underrated rider. He's one of the, yeah, one of the only next to Van der Poel, of course, riders in the pro Conti teams that are here that I would call a rider that could really end up properly in the top ten. As a few other people, Arjen Livens, for example, had a pretty good season so far. I'm looking forward to what he can do for a. Bingo, not Bingwell. I think he had 19 at Kunwell Sekunde, 17 at Duarte Vlaanderen. He had 11th, 9th, and 14th on those hill stages at Ma- Maritim Duvar, uh, the ones where uh, Molema won eventually. And I think he also got fifth at Marseillaise. So, also a very good rider. Wouldn't surprise me if he's got a World Tour contract next year. He's uh, got a contract running out at the end of the season. So, perfect for a rider like him. And this is my dark horse for a top ten position. I believe Arjen Livens will get the split of the of the of the group that ends up sprinting for the second um, tier line, and I think he's going to be in that group. 
I don't know what his sprint is, so I can't tell you if that's good enough. But he got fifth at Marcia, so he's got a bit of a punch to get that, I guess. Um, I mean, got, who's your outsider? Who's the rider that you think? Yeah? Didn't, didn't power yeah, but it, let's be real. Come on. Yeah, all right. You've got to yeah. hype it up. Come on. Quick, quickest man. <laughs> all right, prediction time. Benji, uh, who's who's your winner of Tour of Flanders and who's your deep, dark horse for the win? I am leaning towards a situation where I hope Van der Poel demolishes everybody with his white shorts on because I'm team white shorts. Ha <laughs> um, A lot of people hate me for that, but I don't care. I love it. Um, so Vanderpool is like my all-out honest favorite, but I'm hoping that we get a completely different race and we see somebody win a race that we do not expect in a fashion where the Terpstra won. Where Terpstra won, 2018, something like that. We had Peterson who had that very, very special attack. He was in a, a break that he got away and he kept that up till the line. There's not a lot of people like like that man in the world, so... I don't think it's going to be super easy to get in a situation like that. But imagine if Peterson wasn't thought. Imagine if he won that race from that position. That'd be heroic. I think that I'd be down to see something like that, but I don't see it happening. So, um, yeah, when it comes to uh, an outsider. Last year, I would have said Ekhoff after that. Was it Plouet? Uh, yeah. But he hasn't really no. been on the level that I hoped he would be this year. Honestly, I'm going to let you go first. Throw it back oh. at me afterwards. I don't know yet. Well, Van Aert for the win with Jasper Sturven as the dark horse. I think he's underrated. And I think Pedersen might get dropped, have issues, and they'll need to ride for Sturven. He can win from a reduced bunch. He can attack late. He knows he has to maybe attack late because... Who wants to go for, you know, he, just like at MSR, I don't need to explain the tactics for you. Uh, other than that, I don't really have a strong view on outsiders, to be honest. Um, I think. What do you expect from Simmons? Nah, don't think so. Didn't he get spat at Harrell Becker? <laughs> I mean, he looked good at Strata <laughs> and then had some bad luck. I don't know. I don't know. But I think Wout van Aert, Jumbo Visma should want a slow race. He should work with Thunderpol, but then Quickstep will be attacking. I don't know. I don't really have a firm view on it. I won't be betting on the favourites. I'll just be enjoying it, I think. I don't see too much value there, except maybe in, yeah, Sturvin or someone like that. But that's been our Tour of Flanders preview for the men. Have you got any last thoughts for the men's race before we get into the women's, Benji? Not really. I'm hoping that we get something uh, pretty crazy on Sunday. I, um, I'm always looking forward to the Tour of Flanders. It's uh, obviously a national monument here in Belgium, or in Flanders at least. And I hope that we get a good race, that it's not necessarily a race where it's, ooh, the winner is decided. It needs to be something where the tension sticks until the end. Yeah. I'm fine with somebody demolishing everybody throughout the parkour, but then, for example, if Anderpool does that and he collapses in the last 10 kilometers and it becomes like 10 seconds in the final kilometer and are they going to catch up or not? Uh, those situations, are, I'd love to see something like that. Or, like I said, it a similar situation to Rebay 2016 where a six-man group is in those last 10 kilometers and they're attacking one by one all from different teams. 
trying to do something while Van Aert is trying to counter stuff and fan the pool because they want to try and get it to a sprint and these others keep attacking them and then they're going to look at each other and then some random dude that's still there, Luca Mesgic or whatever is going to, no, it's probably not going to be him, but so like the sixth person will ride away and then they're all going to look at each other and we're going to have the situation of, oh no, is he gone? And then they start working together and in the final kilometer, it all comes together and they sprint and it's going to be, ah, oh, such a difference. <laughs> I think I've said a lot of ideal situations to make the yeah. public hyped about this. And it's likely not going to happen in the way I said it, but we can all hope, we can all dream, and yep. that's mine. I just realized that instead of celebrating or acknowledging the death of Christ on Good Friday, Belgians pretty much just schedule the Tour of Flanders to focus on that instead. But, yeah, just realized. All right, on to the women's race now, the women's Tour of Flanders. I don't know how long it is because we don't know the parkour. Just like on the men's race, they're keeping it private. Last year's winner, I mean, it was domination from Bulls Dolmans. Anna van der Breggen, no, Anna van der Breggen was, she was in the group and I, she was my heavy, heavy pick for the race win. She came 11th, but her, it was her presence that allowed Chantal van der Black to go up the road and attack late. And Amy Peters came second, winning the reduced bunch sprint for second ahead of Kopecky and Brennau. And, yeah, Bulls Dolmans, now SD Works, dominated that race, tactically perfect, and they're back this year with their stacked team. They haven't brought their stacked team to the last couple of races, so they've been a bit yep. absent. But they got Chantal van der Black, Anna van der Breggen, Jolene Dorda, Amy Peters, Alina Cicchini, and Christine Majerus is all I can see on PCS at the moment. Who's your favorite there, Benji? I have to say Anna van der Breggen yeah. and Van der Broek Black. It's kind of a situation <laughs> because <laughs> she I don't think Dora is on the same way. Yeah. I think Jolin Dora is not on the level where I would expect her to compete for the victory at this Correct. race. Yeah. Perhaps in the third or second group, she can sprint for it, but it didn't look too bright the last. Uh, was it Hendrik? I think it was where she got. Uh, yeah, she got she dropped. She was not looking to find the final battery. Amy Peters, yeah, she's going to be uh, up there towards the end, but I don't think she's going to be the deciding factor for the victory. Uh, Christine as well. I think that is going to be between the uh, Van Der and Van Den riders in that team. So Van den Broek, Black, and Van der Breggen, because I think it always ends up in a situation where SD-Works got multiple riders while the other teams don't. And that allows them to try and attack with one person, then the next, then the next, then... That tires the other people, it also tires them, but it doesn't tire them as much because they don't need to do the work to do the chasing in that second group. And that's a tactic that always works for SD Works. And get it? SD Works? Okay. Um, I think that it's also going to likely work out on um, this Sunday, although I don't have a favorite in their team that I'm personally rooting for. But I think they've got a really large chance of taking this race home once again. Um, with their two uh, strongest riders. Yeah. Their strategy is going to be whittle it down, get multiple riders in a front group, and they will likely have at least Vanderbrook Black, Vanderbregen, Peters, and probably Majerus in a front group, then roll attacks. And Chantal Vanderbrook Black, they throw up the road to bait out the other teams to chase and sometimes they just can't chase her down or sometimes they get one rider with her and then she smokes them 
on the final climb, <laughs> like at Strada with Elisa Longaboard Guinea. Going to Trek Segafredo now with Ellen Van Dyke, Diagnon Cordon Rigaud, Longaboard Guinea, Lucinda Brand, Ruth Winder, Benji. They've had the strongest team the last couple of uh, classics, semi classics, Hen Favelham and Dwarves Dour. They've not got, well, they got one top 10 at Dwarves Dour with Van Dyke just, and then they missed out at Hen Favelham. I haven't been able to make my Hen Favelham video for reasons outside of my control that have been very frustrating uh and i've even got it prepared the women's video so but anyway my thoughts on it were that they shouldn't have sent longer borghini so early i think when they did such a good job causing the split they then reduced the benefit of that by sending her and then having a much larger and relatively fresh group chase i think they should try and do what SD works to don't chase her or don't attack early with your favorite longer Borghini. I know she did that at Trophy Off Raider Binder, but not as strong a field and a hillier parkour, limited bunch behind that were tired. I think, yeah, just follow moves and try and attack late. I'm talking last five, seven Ks with longer Borghini, and maybe no one brings, brings her back. Ooh, voice cracking terribly. Uh, but yeah. Do you think Diagnon's not looked as good this year, Benji? Not as capable of winning a reduced bunch sprint, even if they did tire out the other riders? Yeah, I think she hasn't been on the level that I expected her to be in. But then again, I think that it's also because in the races, except for the Wars of London, and then Longo Borghini ended up looking to be the person that they push forward and i think that leads to the other i think if one person is looking extremely good then the other is going to uh give everything to make that other person also win if it's a team if they work together for a single goal and i think this team seriously does that i think they decided on the reserve lounge to try it for alan van dyke it also wasn't the most important race i think for this team no, definitely knowing that too. yeah and yeah, I think that Longo Borghini is favorite for me, though, for this team, for RVV. And I think that you've got it right when it comes to uh, the strategy I would take on as well. They've got a really strong team, but they got to make sure that they can keep that strength the moment that SD Works is pushing forward and have the upper hand when it comes to numbers, that they also have somewhat of an upper hand when it comes to numbers compared to the other teams. So... Yeah, I think it's going to be... Um, the issue that I have with Trek Segafredo is that I think SD Works will try and force them into doing chasing behind riders from SD Works throughout the race itself, which will lower the energy of those riders at Trek Segafredo towards yeah. the end. And I don't think the duo of Longo Borghini and Dijknen are good enough as a duo or equally good as the duo of Van der Broek-Block from the Bregen. Uh, I think the difference isn't huge, but I think the works duo is just better at the moment as a duo and that's why i'm i'm not sure about how they would best handle it i think gordon ago is also not underestimated these days she's really good these days so i did yeah. ones of london also was in that group doing the work italian and french flag next to each other um yeah those are like the teams that i that i want to shout but there's so many other that opportunities here that SD works on the provisional start list. I've checked across multiple websites. 
I know it's provisional, yeah. but no, Demi Vollering, sixth in Strade at SD Works. She's that's she, true. She'd be making front grip. I don't know what's going, whether she's injured or what's going on there. That's pretty surprising to me. But anyway, Canyon Strand been active the last couple of weeks. You'd think their heavy favorite is uh, Kasha Nuviadoma. She it's tougher to win Benji because. She's not as strong on the climbs as Longaborghini, Van der Breggen or Van Vleuten. She can follow. She's shown that. She can contribute to a group. Is she strong enough to attack them and win? No, I don't think so. And her sprint as well is not particularly strong. Like Van Vleuten was able to yeah, beat her in Dwarves Dour out of the sprint pretty pretty easily and at Trofreo. Alfredo Binder and the bunch kick behind a triple league beater as well. So, yeah, that's a problem for her. I expect her to be up there top five, though, Nivia Doma as well. Gopeki Benji for the Belgian national champ on Live Racing. New team this year. Paladin looked good at Hen Favorham. Alison Jackson, what do you... She came second, Kopecky, by the way, in Ken Favelham behind Voss, first in the Samin, fourth at Omloop. I think anything less than a podium will be a big disappointment for her, or do you think RVV doesn't suit her as much as the easier classics? I am completely biased, but she's my favorite to win this. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to push her forward already early on. I think that we were... In Belgium, rare, really happy when she showed up in was it twenty, was it twenty eighteen or twenty twenty where she uh did her first like top result in the Lotto Sudal colors. I think she got fifteen twenty seventeen. It was okay. That explains. I was looking for it and couldn't find it. Where she uh surprised everybody or not really? Yeah, she was. It was pretty surprising that she was up there at that level that year and. I think that fifth place showed that she could do it in the future. In 2018, it didn't really end up happening because that race uh, was not ridden by her. In 2019, I think uh, she didn't really have the best of races, 32nd. And I think 2020 and 2021 really changed because in 2021, we mentioned it, I think, I mentioned it on our awards podcast we had at the end of last year, where I thought she was the second most consistent Cobble rider throughout the season of the entire women's peloton after not Chantal von der Brugge, but Longo Borghini. So those two were my were my most consistent ones throughout the entire season. And I think we saw that last year with third in RVV, third in Brugge de Pana, second in Hien Wevelgem. And how did she start this year? You mentioned it. She started this year with fourth in Omelope, winning Le Samain. Strade was not too great, but I recall her having a a puncture or something at a really bad moment. And fourth, no good course. Twelfth in Omlo from the Westwood. That's not the best one, but it's also not a very important race. And then fourth in Brigitte second in the end of the I'm, I'm feeling that she's really strong this year. I'm feeling like she's one of the best cobble riders on the Berks version, at least, the hills um, of the entire peloton, one of the best. And RVV is perfect for that, and I wouldn't put her in the favorites for a, a Paris-Roubaix for women's, which unfortunately has been cancelled. We'll yeah, talk about it a tiny bit, I think, at the end or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, I feel like RVV fits her. 
The only issue is that I don't think her team is necessarily the strongest compared to the likes of an SD Works and a Trek Sega Fredo. So the race has to kind of form itself in a situation where she either is on the attack or she's in a group that wants to cooperate. Because if she's in a group that doesn't want to cooperate, there's not much she can do in that situation. So yeah. the problem is that those other two teams will dictate the race for her, and that's her vulnerability. Yumbo Visma women have got a fairly strong team. Anna Henderson, Romy Casper, Anuska Costa, Rayana Marcus, Nancy Vandenberg, and of course, Mariana Voss. Mariana Voss is my favorite for this race. She looks so good. Uh, Trofeo Alfredo Binder, second there. Healy Course, really strong. Third at GP Oettingen, seventh at Strada Bianca, and first at Ken Favelham with a whew, nasty sprint for 300 metres with Kopecky right on her wheel. I think she can win the race from a big group, from a small group. Her presence will probably be pretty terrifying to other riders. People seem unwilling to work with her too much when she's in the group for pretty good reason, but Voss is – she's climbing really well. That's why – Voss. Yeah, she's, it's Mariana Voss. I don't need to justify it. And that pick, Therat is it, WNT Pro Cycling will be riding for – Lisa Brenau, one would think she's come, I think, third or fourth here last year. She's really strong. She looked good at Hen Favelham too. I think she came third. Uh, the German, I don't see her winning, but she'll be up there. Uh, who else? Valkar with Lisa Balsamo. I think it's too hard for her, uh, although they have a nice kit. Drops the coal. We've got Danny Christmas, <laughs> Maria Martins, Emily Moberg, Sarah Penton. Marjoline Van Teichelouf and Maika van der Duin. Uh, so we'll be watching Drops the Coal. I think we'll have a few of those riders in the early break at the Tour of Flanders. But bike exchange is what I want to ask you about, Benji. Mm-hmm. Sarah Roy is who they've been riding for a fair bit, Australian national champ. I think they've got to ride for Grace Brown here. I think they don't need to have a situation where they have either ride for the other unless it's absolutely necessary. I think they've got the benefit of having Sarah Roy as a sprinting candidate and Grace Brown as the early on Van Barla-like uh, character, the person that can have an early attack in one of the earlier hills and keep that up at a large engine and just keep going like that. And I think Grace Brown is perfect for that. She needs that longer solo to take it home, I think. And I don't think Roy is up there with the people that are likely going to make the moves here on the hills themselves. So it's good to anticipate with someone like Grace Brown. So it's nice to bet on the two horses for that team, I think. One for the sprint, if it comes down to it, but also one rider to push forward beforehand. I think that's a perfect strategy yeah, for that team. What do you think? They, they have been choosing. They've been choosing yeah. to chase moves with Grace Brown rather than have her get in them. So I think they've got to just put Brown in lead groups, have her attack, have her go long, like Dylan Van Baal style. She's shown she can do it and have it as a reverse lead out. Then Sarah Roy can sit in the group behind. If it comes back together, it comes back together. Fantastic. Go for the sprint. And, yeah, I think they got to use Grace Brown that way. Otherwise, they're just going to have her chasing. Um, yeah. DSM women's Benji, it's not been good for a fair bit, actually. Yep. Uh, Flochi Mackay let Men's out. Men's as well. Lip, sorry, gone. Men's as well. It's been a, yeah. a weird situation for both, I think. I know. Like, they had 
Mackay leading out Lippert for the sprinting hand fable hand. Then Voss just kicked off Lippert's wheel and she ended up yep. coming, oh, like maybe even out of the top 10 at hand, like 12th. And I don't know whether Mackay, again, same situation for bike exchange. Mackay's looked pretty good and she's got the pedigree in these sort of races in classics. Uh, I think they should be trying to let her get in early moves as well. And if it comes back, it comes back. Juliet Laboo's here. But, yeah, they got the strong team on paper. I like all their riders, Anderson, Kirchman, Koch, Laboo, Lippert, Mackay, but it's just not clicking at the moment. And maybe Lippert's not progressing the way we expected or kicking on after the Kid 11's Great Ocean Road Race win in 2020, which is a hard climb she punched over in the wet. But, yeah, just I'd like to see them get a good result. Um, I'd like to see them it clicking them that's why i mentioned them really the big team we've not mentioned so far movistar emma norsgaard the revelation for i mean honestly they're yep. they're way better than the men's movistar team emma norsgaard revelation best u23 rider at the moment i think and so she's wearing a light blue jersey instead of the danish national champs which is very annoying because you can't see her uh she's in here will it be too hard for her i'm not sure but they got anamik thunfloyden who just won Dwar's Tour. She's looking back. She was G'd up, her first winner for Movistar. What do you think their plan is, Benji? Van Vleuten following, attacking, and if it all comes back, you've always got Norsgaard for the sprint? Yeah, uh, I think that is a similar situation as Bike Exchange for me personally. I think they've got Norsgaard, who's got that sprinting kick, but she's also pretty good at the... Uh, Cobble Hills. I don't think she's up there with the best on the Cobble Hills, oh, but she's that still can still improve at that age. Yeah, indeed. Amlo, she was second as well, right? And that was a yep. not Anderson necessarily did. the easiest race either. And yep, exactly. But Samin was a bit of a, a different race, though. Yeah, I, think. I know. But she's just I been good all season. Compare that. Yep. I um, I hope she does well. And well, is that likely the person that I see stage, Benji. The disgusting one. Yeah, but the second on it mm, with the with the you're right VAM climb in bad weather. You're right, but you can't say that the top notch SD Works riders were there. I don't want to shout at Lonica Unikin and saying she was not riding well. She was riding amazingly, but she's not a Van der Breggen or Van der Brugge yet. Yeah, I know, and I think that's the difference there, and. I think that she's going to do well, but I'm still kind of like Van Vleuten is the early attacker and Norsgaard is going to be the person that is the follower, not necessarily the sprinting version, not necessarily the Sarah Roy version, but a bit more than that. Yeah, I see Norsgaard as, as an outsider for victory sometimes here. So yeah, I think that Movistar is indeed, like you mentioned, a very uh, a very good team. But there's there's also just another... like quite a number of other people that can do really well here and that's also not necessarily all on these like full force teams i think we haven't really gone too in-depthly on fdg we mentioned them a lot at strada bianche because we felt like their strategy towards the end of that race wasn't ideal to get the best possible place in that race but i think they've got one a team that has two candidates to make it in front groups with Ludwig and Cavalli. But I also think they've got an issue with Ludwig, where while she's good enough 
to get over the comms and get into the groups. She needs to figure out a way to get away from the group because she's likely going to end up in a group with a sprinter better than herself. And that's why it's really hard for her to take that role to her victory she's hunting. Um, what do you think? I struggle to see a way in which with Triple Wig can win this race, Benji, because the, the level across the board, which is great, is rising. You've got riders like Emma Norsgaard coming through, additional threats who have, and Kopecky, who can climb on the cobbles. And then if people were finessing and it comes back, bang, that's hard people to beat in a sprint. And then if the, for the race to go the way Ultra Bloodwig wants, she's got to attack on one of the climbs or follow a move on one of the climbs of Van Vleuten and Van der Breggen and then beat them in a sprint, which is hard. I think Ultra Bloodwig needs a uphill finish and we don't have that. So, I don't know. She came third in 2019. So, but that being said, I think it's a different landscape. Uh, Bastianelli won then, yeah. but that was from a group and she came third in a group of three with Bastianelli winning the sprints. That's the, that's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. I think she can get a good result. I think she can get on the podium if she's in a group of three. It's just the sprint is the issue. Um, but, yeah, do you – what would your plan be if you were FTJ? I mean, you've got Farlin. She's good. Cavalli was there and then not there the other day. Uh, and it's got a kick. Strata, you were very critical of them riding for or the way Cavalli rode. I thought it was not good too. Who do you think they should ride for? Should they just see who's going well on the day? Yep, I think the latter, you know, you said. Um, I don't think it's easy to judge and take this team and say, oh, you're going to be the best on the day or you're going to be in a situation where that yeah. is folding a certain way. The ideal situation is, is if they both make a split and are in that split to get away the likes of SD Works riders and Trek riders because yeah. then you won't have those two teams following or chasing behind. Particularly but it needs to be very specific to uh, to get those riders in a situation where they can win. I um, hope they ride well because I think uh, she's one of the channel favorites when it comes to our followers as well. That uh, Cicely Utrecht-Ludwig is uh, one of the queens of women's cycling. But um, I think all in all, I hope that I hope that we get a situation where a rider like that can get into an opportunity of winning because she's strong across the board all round, but the sprint is what is knacking at her, I think, at the moment. Yeah. And she is in a group and she can't win in that group with the sprint she has right now. And I think that's uh, the weakness she has right now, not as a criticism. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I think uh, we mentioned most of the teams right now, but I'd like to um, talk about two teams in particular. I think one team being this Planter Pura team that is on the start list. I don't know if you've read the story or have seen the story of that Lantern, but um, basically all the riders in that are part of teams that do cyclocross, uh, women's cyclocross. Uh... And three women's cyclocross teams have decided to go under one sponsor to ride on the road with the riders from those three. I think Selin Alvarado was a world champion last year. I'm not a hardcore cyclocross person, but yeah, I think she was She's like a young uh, world champion last her, year. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think she was the head, com- head, head opponent of Lucina Brandt, who won this year in the world championships. So very interesting team. Very interesting to see them race. I don't know how much they can do because I've got no clue what they can do on the road. 
but the couple races are on paper what they are better at, although yeah. their Hindu Abraham performance was not really where I was looking for it to be. But I'm curious what that will offer up. I think the main issue that I've got with this team is not actually related to RVV. We know since this uh, morning, spoilers for the people that haven't seen it yet, that Paris Bay is being cancelled for, well, postponed until the 2nd and 3rd of October. Those are the two dates that are set right now, officially set by the Paris Bay Twitter account. And now keep in mind, they were planning to write Roubaix with this team. And Roubaix is now in the cyclocross season, where these three are going to be riding on different teams when it comes to contract. On the same weeks as you would have cyclocross, I think. I don't know the exact cyclocross season, but I think that might actually become troublesome for them. I hadn't thought of that. I'm too depressed about the Paris-Roubaix news to really accept it and deal with it. I hope they get a good result here at the Tour of Flanders. I'd like to mention Team Tibco, Silicon Valley Bank, with Lauren yep. Stevens and Sarah Giganti, the young Australian. I'd like to see her do well. Top 10 result here would be huge. What was the second team you wanted to mention, Benji? Uh, yeah, uh, Tibco. Uh, <laughs> I want to mention Ali BTC Ljubljana. they got a former winner in Bastianelli. Okay. Uh, yep. She's a strong rider, not looking quite on the level of like Kopecky, Longaborghini these days, but she gets in a reduced group. She can sprint, and that is something you can never take away from someone and is always a threat, Christoph, Bastianelli, sort of riders that you always got to respect them. Marlon Rusa, I'd like to see her not attack her early, ride a conservative race for herself. Any other long shots? You like here, Benji. We both said our winners. Me, Voss, you, Kopecky. Any any long shots? I'm going to go with Norsgaard as long shot. I want to see it happen. Kopecky's my all-out favorite, but I want to see Norsgaard win something big. No, I wanted her to win Jens Wevelgem. I wanted her to win Jens Wevelgem, and it didn't work I out. She and I was that. so yeah, sad afterwards. Yeah, And it really annoys me that she's wearing that, oh. that U23 jersey as well, because... I've been looking the entire Jens Wevelgem race for <laughs> a Danish shirt. I thought she was dropped the and whole then time. I ex- yeah, I explained to my mom what the Danish flag looks like so that when she sees it red with a white cross, she mean? needs to shout at me. And she starts shouting when the Swiss champs jersey shows up. So I'm like, no, that's not Emma Norsgaard. <laughs> right. So eventually I found her with like 8K to go, which was really sad. Uh, that's a point of contention for me too as well as yeah banning all the purple jerseys needs to go i'm looking through to see a uh a long shot pick i don't i don't really know I, when i see van der Breggen and van vleuten on the start list with voss i'm like they're pretty good at riding their bikes at the moment and um i don't really i don't really have a strong feeling about anybody to be honest Norsgaard is someone i'd like to see too or Kopecky. There's no odds that we've seen for it, but they actually would be long shots. Lisa Longaborghini, I just I want to see her in this current form against the two big guns now. It's going to be interesting to see her against Van Vleuten and Van der Breggen. They all kind of try to do the same thing, so I wouldn't mind a triple header showdown between those three as well. But I, I worry that they might not work together and they might bring a little quick person with them like Kopecky or Norsgaard. Any final thoughts on this Tour of Flanders race? Benji, do you know the order they're doing it in? Is it after the men's? 
Uh, yes, I was uh, in doubt for one second, but I reminded myself that I saw a tweet about it. Okay. Um, it's not like Dwarves of Vlaanderen. It's going to be more like Ken Vebelgem. Yeah. So they're going to have the uh, men's race finish relatively uh, early. I don't know what hour, though. I think it was somewhere last past 5 our time, the good time zone, not yeah. the bad time zone of our light. kangaroo here. And I think the women's race was finishing around two hours later. So... I don't know how we're going to split up the videos, but I guess we'll figure it out before then. Because uh, if we, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'll come right. around eventually. Can't wait for that. I hope you enjoyed our Tour of Flanders women's preview. And if you're listening on podcast players, the entire Flanders preview. If you listen to the women's race, we've got the men's one as a separate YouTube video. We don't have the parkour to show, unfortunately, but I'm just happy there's racing on. Can't wait for the uh, culmination of all these classics we've been watching so far, particularly with the sad news of Roubaix being cancelled. So lap it up while you can and enjoy it. We'll see you with the recaps for Flanders on Sunday. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 